I'm excited to have Seher back with us and Tim, her co-author, do a book review and a masterclass, art of writing and everything else that we'll cover today. Um, there are many ways to introduce this duo, but I'll let them talk about why they wrote the book and uh, what energizes them. What I will tell you, uh, having read the book and hosted Seher before, is that uh, there are loads of adventures and surprises in store for you. So let's get started. Seher, Tim, tell us who you are and why do you do what you do? Sure. First, thank you so much, Utkarsh, for having me back. I'm so excited and also so excited to see all of the amazing work that Network Capital has been up to. Um, so for everyone who doesn't know me, I'm Seher Mansoor. I'm the founder of Bearness Estes. We're essentially a zero-waste hub, a knowledge hub, a product hub for all things that are sustainable. And we seek to reimagine the way we consume everyday products in a way that should not land up in the oceans and landfills. Um, and I'm based out of Bangalore. Awesome. And why do you do what you do? You've told us that before, but uh, let's take the book lens. Why do you do what you do? Why did you write this book? Yeah. Um, so honestly, for me, working with waste because really got me interested about understanding waste from a very ground up perspective. And that made me really introspect and make changes in my own lifestyle. And um, I think, you know, knowledge is so so powerful and we wanted to make information super accessible super fun um you know zero waste can sound pretty daunting pretty um intimidating and overwhelming and the idea to, to write the book was to have really practical uh, steps that you can adopt and something that really resonates with the indian audience like when i started my zero waste journey i wish there was a book um and that's why we kind of you know put all of our novel all of our learnings into this um little book that we love um hoping to share all the lessons mistakes so other people don't make the same mistakes. Awesome. And Tim, how did this partnership happen? What do you do and why do you do what you do? Yeah, of course. So thank you for having me. I'm um, just for everyone out there. I'm Australian and based in Sydney at the moment. So uh, Sahar's in Bangalore and that's uh, where I first met her and also worked alongside a great team. She has with her social enterprise uh, focused on reducing waste uh, in India. And that was something that I sort of came across organically working in the sustainability space for a number of years within, within India and also prior to that Southeast Asia. My sort of passion to get into that area was all about uh, seeing waste when I'd been in those sort of environments, either traveling or working and seeing large amounts of waste and um, uh, environmental degradation as a whole and really wanting to address that and do something about that. Certainly looking, taking towards a community development and social impact lens. And that was something that Sahar's team in Bangalore is really passionate about. So very happy to jump on board and uh, create this book, which was all about really um, increasing the amount of engagement and awareness of environmental issues and providing an educational tool, but really just more of a fun and interactive toolkit for people who across India to be involved in and in a way that hasn't been available before in for South Asia and South Asia, I should say, which is really exciting to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. You know, writing a book is, uh, is a time consuming, challenging, draining task. So let's discuss some of those uh, less talked about aspects of it. Let's talk about pitching. How did you 
uh, both approached the publishers? Did they approach you? Talk to us about the messy parts. We love mess. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, Utkash, I'm a dyslexic kid. Like growing up, I you know still mix up my M and my B and my D. Um, so this is really pretty, pretty unreal for someone uh, with all the learning disabilities that I've grown up with. Um, um, and to be honest, it, it sounds so amazing, you know, like, oh, writing a book. But the logistics, the editing process, the number of rounds of editing, um, you know, the S's and the Z's and the different house styles that different publishing houses have, um, those are all kind of totally, totally um, uh, underestimated how, how much time that all takes. Um, so to be honest, we got really lucky um, and Penguin was extremely generous and they reached out to us almost in 2017 um, hmm. and said, we think there's an appetite for this book. Do you want to write this book? And um, I was a two-person team at that time and I just you know, didn't have the time or bandwidth to do so. Um, if I was writing the book, then there wouldn't be any enterprise and no one would be shipping out the orders. Uh, because I was also kind of the delivery person at the time. <laughs> so uh, we stayed in touch and, um, you know, we were having all of these amazing learnings through all of our interactions and live workshop elements. And often we thought people were asking us the same questions. And often people would ask us on World Earth Day to be, say, in Delhi, in Chennai, in, uh, you know, Kochi, all on the same day. And we were saying, you know, how can we kind of scale up all of this um, fun knowledge that we've got around sustainability? Um, and that's kind of how the book kind of came about. And, you know, there are guidebooks on everything, like uh, whether it's like health and wellness on how to meditate on how to diet on how to, you know, there are just so many how-to books. Uh, but unfortunately, there aren't as many in the sustainable realm. Um, and that's kind of the gap that the publishers and ourselves were looking to solve and kind of fill. Um, so really sweet and generous of them to wait and patient for them to wait. Uh, but then we kind of started writing in 2019 um, when, um, you know, Tim joined. And I think that made it so much easier. I mean, if anyone really wants to write a book, highly recommend doing it with a co-author to keep yourself accountable. And um, it makes the journey way more fun. Um, and yeah, palatable sometimes. I can so jump cool. in there, I suppose, to, uh, and share a little bit more of the mess that you were terming. So I've joined in 2019. Um, previously, I was with a couple of other businesses in India. Um, so I was aware a little bit of um, the country as a whole and the working environment as well, and also the need for this kind of resource. Uh, but when I um, jumped on board with um, Sahel, we've really focused on creating a knowledge hub of information, which was something that was a passion for her team moving in. So we're talking things like um, creating campaigns where we're trying to uh, move from a plastic straw to a, a coconut leaf straw, creating online education um, material as well, and then also writing this book. Um, but then some of the challenges that we actually faced was I wasn't, in the country the whole time. And this is prior to COVID hitting as well. Yeah. So I had to be based out and we were doing video conference calls and trying to um, articulate Seher's first person narrative, which really is a core essence of this book, how it's interwoven within, uh, with actually recording and um, sort of voice record 
and having that placed down on a piece of paper then going back over over again and then having that um, sit in place with other tips and tricks and recipes and the evolution of the process um, from sort of the point at the end of 2019 to a point at the end of 2020 um, and for a large part of that I was back in Australia with COVID and many more video calls and schedules that we had where we're just sort of uh, placing more um, resource and more toolkits within. So things like the Zero Waste Library um, to really get all of Sahar's knowledge in her mind and all of the team's knowledge as well from Ben Assestes, the business onto pieces of paper was really sort of that layering evolution process. So yeah. a lot of fun, but uh, quite tedious at times too. <laughs> I can imagine, um, co-author, like a co-founder. There's a lot that can go right. There's a lot that can go wrong. So we'll discuss that. But I want to actually dial back a little bit. So it's not so common that publishers reach out. Usually uh, it's the other way, especially for, I don't know if you're a first-time author or not, but, but perhaps. Yes, yeah. So uh, it's not so common. So it's amazing that they reached out. There was a market opportunity. But still, you have to write a book proposal, a manuscript, all of those kinds of things. So talk to us about those parts. How did both of you divide the responsibilities? Yeah, definitely. Um, so honestly, we um, initially put in a proposal for a kid's book. And, uh, you know, the publisher would reach out to us that, you know, I'm not in the kids department. This is not what I'm interested in. Um, and, you know, so it was from the get go, it was a bit of a process. So we took a second stab at it, where we put together kind of the idea that we had, um, which really does derive inspiration from our workshops. And, and then we kind of submitted that in and she said, you know what, this looks great. Um, when can you kind of submit our, the manuscripts? So then we worked backwards, um, put on, you know, timelines. Um, and then basically uh, visa issues, Tim had to like leave India. And um, so we started to just spend a lot of time doing this on video call. Um, and that meant basically carving out time on your you know, hectic work day and just saying, hey, I'm gonna be in the upstairs uh, table and chair, like don't disturb me for like X amount of hours, which is quite challenging when you're trying to run a small social enterprise in um, space, I think, first of all. But um, I think that was the easy part in retrospect. You know, fast forward a few months and the pandemic hits and is back in Australia. And uh, of course, COVID is here, so no one can do anything. Uh, so whether then our orders that we're dispatching, um, you know, dunzoing deliveries or sweet genie deliveries across town, um, you know, paperwork still needs to happen. So you're like literally the printer, you're the delivery person, you're all of that. And then you also have to say like 8 a.m., I'm going to be at my desk because Tim is five hours away five hours behind in Australia and yeah. you know just have to be there at your desk to kind of have that discipline and keep those timelines going um so I think um uh, that was hard and then we kind of kept doing manuscripts and different versions and then each version came back with so much feedback and then editing is so from the publisher the yeah. the editor so okay Exactly. So we had, you know, an editor who gave us kind of big picture a feedback and then we tried to incorporate that in. And then we had a copy editor, then we had another copy editor. And then, you know, so those are different kinds of rounds. And um, honestly, whenever I think I, you know, a couple of times I would tell my girlfriends, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I think that's it. Turn in the last um, version and then it comes back and we're doing it again. It perpetually optimistic I kept going oh no this is like another 10 rounds and she's like this is done another 10. <laughs> like there were so many more rounds 
even after I thought we were totally done. Um, so that was totally, totally surprising. Um, and then, you know, I think it finally at the end of the year, I think after things got a little opened out a little in terms of COVID restrictions. And I went for one like Christmas party with a few of my football friends. Um, and it was a nice uh, loud night, but I had a, a you know, 8 a.m. schedule with Tim. So just despite my situation, you know, you have to coffee up and be there. So yeah. um, <laughs> those are the ups and downs um, of, um, yeah, all of it. I think it's um, been quite a ride, um, but definitely recommend doing it with a co-author. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, of course, time zone coordination. Uh, sometimes you have to coordinate writing styles. Um, yeah. many other approaches. So what were the uh, areas of agreement and disagreement? Tim, do you want to take that? Yeah, sure. I, I guess, I think the, one of the good things that we did moving in was keep a very open mindset about how we were approaching it. Um, we were developing a lot of these ideas, as Sahar mentioned from the workshops. Uh, but it's difficult when you're trying to place someone's life and her story into a book in, in the way that a narrative and how much is a good amount to be sharing about the inner workings of Sahar's mind, which I know quite intrinsically now from writing, um, helping write a book, but is that too much for the reader on an everyday basis who doesn't know um, Sahar as a friend? So, and then where do you actually have that um, sort of line about you share too much or not sharing enough because the whole book's about trying to provide transparent information to provide those solutions. But then, okay, so we say, okay, on Sahar's fifth birthday, this happened and this caused all of this, or does that actually relate to every single reader out there? So those kind of areas wasn't like a heated disagreement at all, but it was trying to get some perspective from ourselves um, and being able to step back and uh, reflect on that after a month or something or taking it to an editor. It could be the publisher. It could be just a friend or, um, or similar or family member as well who had a look over the, and the manuscript was an, a, one of the key areas where we, I think we had to work on it a lot to get the right level of personal insights into it. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, Hopefully we found that right mark in terms of being able to inter interweave Sahar's story throughout. But I think that was probably, uh, I think the funniest, the funnest part to write together, but also the most challenging because it is a personal story. And it's like, how do you, how do you know this is going to relate to every single reader? I agree. Uh, let's discuss the book structure a bit. Table of contents is not the easiest thing to prepare. And especially for something like this, how did you go about doing so? Yeah, Tim, do you want to take that too? Because he, he's like the structural engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. So I thought it may have actually been a good place to have a look at because uh, a lot of the narrative and the, and the flow that we've actually done is moving from those intrinsic areas and the very um, intimate areas of your life. And so it quite often opens up some of the workshops and talks about talking about the bathroom and the fact you're using a toothbrush and toothpaste every morning. So the way we actually approached it was taking that simple mindset of what do you do first thing each day and how do you expand that? So first of all, you're looking at your um, bathroom area, then moving on to your closet or and then into more communal setups. So your kitchen, your home, um, gifting or community. 
and then global aspects as well with both city and travel. Um, and the reason behind that was trying to uh, allow the reader to see and what the smallest solutions in those intimate areas can do exponentially and not necessarily trying to tackle those big, big issues um, all the time. So it's really just that sort of staged approach. Um, and that's why we've really looked at it moving up from there. In terms of the inner, inner structure of the chapter, uh, I've mentioned a couple of times how we've interwoven Zahir's story throughout, but the reason behind doing that was really to make the activities quite impactful based on the experiences she could share, based on the, um, the mistakes that she'd made previously in certain instances or the uh, reasons behind why she was successful. And by that, I can fall back on something, as I mentioned, with the toothpaste or toothbrush, where going to buy a bamboo toothbrush was a great solution. Also for her, learning how to make a toothpaste was a great solution. But then we've also got other things. If you're not a reader who's going to go out and make your own toothpaste, you can go and purchase it at stores that are available in India as well. And those kind of layered approaches uh, is sort of the way we did it to have that uh, ongoing layering of knowledge for the reader. Yeah, you're really well explained. Sorry, Utkar, sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. I was just saying, I, I, I thought that was well presented. Definitely. Thanks, Mashim. I think just to add on to that, um, you know, really when you think about the environment, I think it's a little intimidating because you often don't know if your actions have any impact, right? And it's like you're reading all of this stuff, you know, CO2 emissions, you know, we have seven to, you know, 10 years if you're, if you're optimistic and, you know, the IPCC, all of that. And um, I think zero waste is just one way to visualize that your actions actually have an impact. And um, for me, working in the environmental sphere, I definitely had a lot of frustration. Um, but then, then the idea of that my actions had a solution to play in a very, very tangible way, that's kind of what we wanted that journey to portray through the book. And while, you know, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say that you can buy your way uh, into sustainability. That's not what I'm saying by, you know, purchasing that bamboo toothbrush, but it's visualizing your life and how you start and how... Um, you might start from a smaller lens, which is like the actions that your immediate actions have control over. Um, mm. And then you move into much larger lens about the, you know, you, you might move from your personal care to your kitchen, to your closet, but then you're looking at cities and communities and really kind of what the role of zero waste or circular economies in the larger ecosystem. And I think until we understand it for ourselves, it's so much harder for us to understand it in a more systemic approach or, a, you know, in a, in a much larger level from a city or a community or a country perspective. So that's kind of what we try and inculcate through the book as well. Awesome. Sarah, how did you decide to name this book? Um, honestly, I think it just reflects what we really truly need. And I think if the pandemic thought us one thing, it was that we need so little to be so happy. Um, you know, most of us go like two sets of pajamas all, the, all year. Um, and truly there are some of those things that are just are bare necessities. Um, mm. And the book is a reflection on what we need to introspect on and what we really need uh, to live a life that's sustainable and um, one that hopefully doesn't take more than we need to. What's interesting about this book is that it's also intimately connected to what you do. So you're not sort of providing examples in uh, based on 
you say secondary research this is like living breathing self which i find always to be a little more impactful than you know other stories but you have been running your business for some time now which stories uh made their way in and which examples which concepts uh were not you were not able to include them in yeah um honestly um i would love to go way deeper in circular economy principles um mm. because i think it is the future i think we really need to restructure the way we're currently consuming and that means kind of rebuilding back that refill model i mean uh, you know i'm sure you and i remember the uh, the softness of the world we would get back that 50 by some we don't that glass bottle you know yeah. so there is this movement and there is a wave that is coming back with the refill refill reuse models um and it's kind of uh, interesting how um the eu is banning single use plastic you know you're seeing different different things and the kind of small nano movements and you also see amazing social enterprises and startups uh, whether that's loop or clean label really being part of the solution and that's something that really really excites me so i think um, i would love to go deeper you know examples of using seaweed and mushrooms and things like that uh, which are really going to i think redefine the way we're currently packaging things um in a way that will you know completely decompose and go back to to um nature and compost so i think those are concepts that i'd love to incorporate maybe in a second book who knows um yeah why not <laughs> um but things that did make it to the to the book were um you know um why we should get more mindfully and what were some of the best books i've received um i mean on a more personal note i you know lost my dad when i was very little but he planted a coconut tree in our house and it fruited i think 10 years after he passed and every year we have this amazing um coconut harvest and um, everyone at their office everyone kind of enjoys the coconut so when we gift we communicate so much of who we are through that and can it be something that's a little bit more mindful um so i think those were kind of stories that made it in um and then i think the ones around community um you know we did a lot of examples in actually mumbai whether it's the local train or the mumbai dabawalas and how that system has existed for so long um and those are also something that i think and um, i really like those examples awesome uh tim sahar different nationalities different backgrounds um different cultures did that play into the book like was there a discussion around uh, including examples case or case studies from from a different lens or was that not much of an issue i wouldn't think it was an issue um solely for the fact that when we walked into this we wanted to produce a book that was for india or for that um south asia as a whole and that was I suppose to put it as really mundane that's what we were contracted to do had we written a book that was written for Australia then the book would not have been published and hmm. for me it was quite exciting because I was from the outside perspective and I probably still term myself quite a novice in terms of India having only spent a couple of years there in comparison to the whole life of Sahara and many others as well but I think what it enabled was um getting a um perspective of asking questions because I didn't know so many intricate parts of yeah. India and because of that I'd ask questions that might seem very very mundane to Sahar Prince example something like oh, why aren't people taking the metro and um, we have a um conversation in the book about the 
uptake of the Bangalore Metro because it's such a very different thing to do in terms of uh, with socioeconomic classes and people coming on to actually ride that and all of the community taking it together. So whether you're earning 10 rupee a day or thousands of rupee a day, you're all intermixing on the train. But for me, from an outsider, I didn't quite understand the difference in terms of why people would want to take public transport or not take public transport. And then the mm. benefit for that from an environmental perspective to reduce air pollution in that example. Uh, I think, the in fact, I was asking those questions of Sahar or other colleagues at Ben Assestes or people, um, new friends um, living in India, kind of um, brought that outside um, area in, which was quite unique in it. Um, I don't know if you'd like to add to that, Sahara, um, a little bit. So whether my questions or my perspective kind of led to it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think Tim is being very humble. Uh, you know, he worked at Daily Dam before this in the composting industry, working in the solar energy industry before. Um, so I think um, he's also very curious about India and I think deeply loves India. <laughs> so uh, it was actually really fun and interesting. I don't think there were much uh, conflicts at all. Um, so yeah, I think it was pretty fun. It was smooth sailing. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you know, conflicts, uh, I didn't really ask this for conflict, although that happens uh, many times. Also, do national styles of working together are different, right? India is a, a different cult culture, working-wise, high context, low context, those kinds of things come in. And Australia is different. So yeah, it seems so like... I could you answer both... that more directly if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's an ongoing struggle I've got with um, working with India because I'm very, very timely. So here's like, uh, so when I'm stick, sticking to a meeting at 8.30 in the morning Bangalore time and she's not there at 8.30, it's kind of that um, me trying to relax and go with the flow a little bit more because it is a completely different cultural setup. Um, a lot of uh, my learning in that was really just, being able to relax and I think um talking to colleagues and everything around because that's not done within Australia um I was certainly something that I've continued to learn and continue to develop over um the number of years that I've been involved in within um Indian companies since hmm. uh, and one of the ways that I did that was really taking the perspective that this is a book for India. It's not a book for Australia. So we're trying to stick to an Australian standard and you get there on um, at 8.30 as opposed to a more flexible time arrangement as Sahir likes to have a second coffee or something in the morning. Um, then, yeah. At 8.30, I'll be making my coffee. I'll be like, oh, just a little bit more, one last cup before I go out. <laughs> <laughs> always five minutes late minimum um unfortunately especially in the mornings though it was like saturday sunday that we were writing um you know so i'm sorry yeah. i was actually I just about to <laughs> to come to the writing schedule bit uh but yes you were saying you're a morning I, i'm gonna say, i was gonna say i'm a morning person and i happen to be for, for the majority of the editing process suddenly like five and a half hours ahead of Sahar so I'm waiting around all day going oh, wait till 3 p.m my time and she finally gets there so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh, how about the writing schedules uh you both are not full-time writers so you have to carve out time in your day um to write edit uh pitch publish do all these kinds of things mm -hmm. 
were there some things that worked for both of you because you also had to collaborate over and above just writing yeah. uh time so management I, attention management energy management any and all advice would be helpful to our listeners yeah um honestly uh, i've had phases where it's easy it's phases where it's tough um just because you have another whole like full time business to run you know and you have like 13 other teammates who need your um uh, time and attention and like queries and everything um but i think what really helped for tim and i is um we have this like master excel and different tabs of people who we want to you know reach out to what we want to do all of the goals so i think um we communicate very clearly and we put that on paper like on excel um very quickly and i think that really helps and then um setting time ahead of time you know i think so we basically i think the whole year we spent every weekend together um so it just kind of was just like basically marking up that time because i know that was really hard during the work week uh, for both of us um because tim is working as well all of that so being really honest and upfront right from the get go and then making that time sacred and when you say you're going to be there just be there um and then try and be intentional with each other and then i think you know i thought the work is done once the book is out but i definitely underestimated the amount of um just kind of marketing and pr and how like how much energy you need to really like map to that process is something i totally underestimated um and you know that you need to be organized you need so that no, alex are super useful um but yeah i i'm not going to say that with like it's it's free flowing all the time i think i definitely have batches where i'm struggling with other stuff that's on my plate um so it's ups and downs really yeah i just to add yeah. to that as well and to your question in regards to sort of advice to other people as well um this may be me coming in from an australian perspective but i think sahar and i were quite happy and probably are quite happy to argue with each other um at times which definitely clears the air uh, because if you got it and just plateauing and then trying to ignore it for um a period of time um then i think that could simmer away but we suddenly were able to just say hey we're frustrated let's just go and talk about something else for a while um and in some ways having our own core work so so has business and the job i was um i was doing at the time uh allowed us to step away and we could talk about something else and talk about what's going on in our life so it's not that full-time writing area and i think that really enables a lot more freedom and probably uh it limits the amount of writers block or periods like that that you might actually have being able to actually step away so um yeah definitely i'd say share ideas with any co-author or people around and um, speak to people who aren't writing the book too like just mm-hmm. to freshen your own minds because if you're just talking if i'm talking to sahara as the only person all the time just about the book then yeah it sort of gets quite cocooned i would imagine whereas actually being able to have a chat about other similar concepts or completely different um could bring things into the book that uh we might not have realized that, um in any extent and um sort of using Zahair's gifting ideas for example uh we were doing a secret santa at some point um for with Ben Asbestes the team 
And some of those ideas came in about gifting plants, for example, when at the end of the year with a Christmas party in that instance, or it could be any other holiday period about doing things sustainably. And those kind of ideas were just out there because we stepped away from uh, talking about the book all the time and saying, okay, let's just go have some fun. Let's go talk to our friends. And then suddenly you've got those extra things that you can go and contribute and share with, um, with the readers as well. Awesome. Um, what has been the favorite uh, feedback for both of you of any reader? What did that person say that really made your writing process and all the hours spent collaborating, writing, editing worth it? Um, I can start. Um, I did this talk, I think, just a month ago. And uh, there was this girl who was just taking copious notes about everything. And then um, at the end of the panel, um, you know, the moderator very generously said like and you know there's a book if you want to check it out um and then she wrote to me like i think three weeks later or two weeks later um and said that she just kind of moved back to india and like deeply cares about sustainability and studied it for really long um, but had no idea where to start um and you know so we also listed people and organizations whether it's like you want to recycle your shoes or your clothes or you know we've listed basically everyone who's inspired us uh, who we basically you know deeply respect and admire um, so, you know, and she also said that naming and mentioning all of these people and organizations like made me go to the right spot when I needed it. Um, and that was literally exactly the reason why we wrote the book. Um, so I was just really, really happy to hear back from her. Um, yeah. And I was happy to hear that feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love how actionable the book is. Um, the examples, the references, it's, uh, it's a collaborative book. Uh, I don't think I want to call it an, a 101 because it's fairly nuanced, but it's 101 plus, plus, plus. So <laughs> I can relate with that, uh, the girl. And Tim, any, any things that jumps out at you? Yeah, I, I that happened on the last, um, uh, another podcast that I was on and probably come up a few times as well. Um, just in terms of feedback, saying that it's a book that we can pick up and go back to time and time again. Um, yeah. Could be for the activities, could be for recipes, could be for those organizations. And the reasons, um, just to add to what Sahir said with the organizations, the reason to add those in is based on where you are in India, you might have a need for a composting organization, but you might not have access to the one in Bangalore, but there's an organization in Kolkata or in another location and something close to you that can help you live more sustainably. So there are reasons for people across the country to go back to read the book. And when we placed our first manuscript into Penguin in February, 2020, um, we had feedback from a colleague of ours saying, oh, it was a great book. I'd like to read it, but it's not a book that you just go back again. Like it's fantastic, really fascinating, but you just read all the way through and that was it. Whereas by the time we went through another 10 months or so of reconstructing the book, adding the layered on format, it's now become a book where we're getting that feedback, whereas actually I could come back to this book and grab it again and reference it and look at a new idea and actually use it as a guide over and over again. So I think that for me uh, is something that I'm really proud that we achieved um, from the feedback we've been getting. Just to add That's on any just <clears throat> as well are something I really loved and that's what my colleague uh, Molly did um, and I think that also makes it super digestible um, on every chapter yeah 
the illustrations that are highlighted and honestly for anybody who's reading it or will read it illustrations are not that easy to commission so usually i mean i'm not sure how it was with your publisher usually you are responsible for the illustrations if you have some specific requirement so you need mm-hmm. to be tuned with figma this and that so good job to molly i hope she enjoys uh, you know this cl- little claim to fame here um but just like wrapping up uh, sahar tim any advice for first time collaborators or first time writers um for getting your work out there um any and all advice about say overcoming a lack of confidence if any of you face that at any point in time or uh, the fear of a negative pushback or anything else just parting advice would be great sure i can start um honestly like don't let any kind of societal norms or any kind of um any notions that you might have limitations that you have of yourself like hold you back um because us humans are just insanely resilient um so we can really do anything we set our mind to do um you know um i did grow up with learning disabilities it was extremely hard to read um i would literally like finish reading the paragraph or the essay at a test and then the teacher would say pencils down i wouldn't have even started you know uh, writing the second question perhaps um because i i'm so so slow and um you know my sister would read books to me from the library um, to just encourage me to like fall in love with books um even if that meant she was reading aloud to me um so i think you know uh, wherever you are in your journey and whatever your um objective is whether you want to run an amazing um social business or um you want to write a book whatever it might be um just it sounds super cliche but honestly just go for it um and always ask for help and feel free to ask for help for, because um there's plenty of people who are willing to collaborate and willing to join you on your journey yeah that's awesome tim any last words Yeah of course I, I think just knowing the reason why you want to do something and having that as a core and that kind of reason can evolve over time but if you set out to write a book for example what's the reason behind you writing it and it could be completely different for myself for yourself to another person writing it but for us to write this book is really to educate and engage and provide that unique knowledge hub that wasn't actually out there for india and say for instance if you're you're wanting to set about to actually write this you don't know if you're actually doing it then if you've got a reason and core reason why you want to be doing it and you can always fall back on that when your confidence might be a little bit down i think that will really help um pick your confidence up along with sort of sharing those ideas and conversations with people around you as well um with a number of those other points points of so mentioned earlier in terms of just having a chat with everyone around about topics that may or may not be um directly involved in your project um but you'll find more and more that the external areas can also become involved in that project as well so it's quite exciting when you reflect on it longer term you can see all those pieces coming together in the journey as a whole what a pleasure hosting both of you Thanks so much and uh, wish you more success with this book and uh, the next many books to come. Where can people go and find you and uh, check out this uh, wonderful book? Um well on Amazon any bookstore that you usually get your books really um the Bear Necessities website 
Um, so all of the above are great options. Um, but again, thanks so much, Utkarsh Network Capital, for having us. It was really such a fun time to just chat with you. Well, we are big fans. Always support mission-driven people. Cheers. See you both. Bye.